0: Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host, and for the next half hour, hopefully we can talk calmly about things that are in God's Word. This isn't a time for you to understand what Dave Wager says. This is a time for you to think about what God is saying. And if I could steer you in that direction, that would be a privilege. Because anything I say, I'm sure, is tainted with perspective and My own understanding my own life things that maybe I want to be true but God knows the truth and it's the truth that actually sets us free so it's my hope that for the next half hour you can sit quietly before him and think about what he's saying open his word read think ponder ask God to speak to your heart some have through the years tried to correct some of my thinking and tell me where I'm wrong and that could very well be. I don't really respond too much to those things because I want you to understand that the whole point of the program is to get you to go to God and talk to him and not me, that I'm just a fellow traveler on the road and I don't see things necessarily the same as you do. And I don't need to see things the same as you do. But in the end, we all need to see the truth and the truth only comes from God's Word. And I hope you're in God's Word and reading God's Word and know what it says. The last time I shared at nighttime, I was talking about giving and resources and giving from a joyful heart. I still think that giving is a very interesting action, both in the United States and around the world. Those who have money have money for a reason. But what is the reason? Is it so that they can be self-indulgent? Is it so that they can be people who live better than other people? What's the reason for the Access and resources that God has given to each of us, you may not think that you have access and resources, but I'll bet you you do. Oh, maybe you don't if you've gone into debt and you're barely able to keep your head above water in the United States of America with all the debt that you have accumulated. I'm not sure that you should be in that position though, but then again, I'm not God, I'm Dave. But if you've accumulated so much debt that it's the debt that controls you, then that's another issue. We need to be people who understand that God is the giver of all good things, that he owns all the resources in the entire universe. And then we have the privilege of being his servant. We have the privilege of being a steward. We have the privilege of using whatever he shares with us to help people know who he is. We also have the privilege of being in a position where He takes care of us with those same resources. It's amazing how God can take care of us and who He chooses to use to take care of us. But it is God that provides for us, and every good and perfect gift actually comes from Him. And so as we enjoy things... One of the very first habits we should be in is thanking God for those things that we've enjoyed that he's provided for us. Tonight, in the same kind of thought, I thought maybe I would read Malachi, the first chapter, and just talk a little bit about that. Malachi is the very last book in the Old Testament, and it talks about some very interesting things. Let me read the first chapter to you. Malachi 1. The Oracle of the Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau, Jacob's brother? declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob. But Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says, We are all shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. The Lord of hosts says, They may build it, but I will tear it down. They will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. Verse 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If, then, I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name? But you say, How have we despised your name? By offering polluted food on my altar. But you say, How have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. Oh, that there would be one among you who would shut the doors, that you may not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to the setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and pure offerings. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted, and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence, or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat, who has a male in his flock and bows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. You know, Malachi makes it very clear that God is in charge, that everything we have is from him. And he understands our motives for what we... The bottom line really is that God is the one that's in charge of all things. He understands our hearts, our motives. He understands what we're trying to accomplish more than we understand what we're trying to do. When you start playing games with God, no matter what the game is, it's a game that he knows about, and you can't win doing that. In the game of life, there's God, and he created us. He created us very specific and unique, peculiar, you might say. We're his, and we need to live in accordance with being his. When we play a game, we come to God, and we give him things that we don't need, and we think that's an offering. That's not an offering. We just gave him things we don't need. We need to reexamine our hearts and our lives and take a look at what God we do with the resources God has given to us. As we talked about in the last program, we're we're to be those who are generous with all people. And we might think we're generous by giving away things we don't need, but that's not generosity. I remember through the years here, a few instances where people wanted to give the ministry of Silver Birch Ranch something that they didn't need, and they thought it was a wonderful gift. I remember one in particular communication we had, and I don't remember all the words or everything about it, but I remember the point. The point was that somebody wanted to give us a van to use in transporting the children at camp. And they wanted to give this van to us because it was no longer safe for their family to use. And they thought, well, we could give this to the Lord in his work. And I thought... That's not being very generous, giving something to a camp that's not qualified as safe for your family. You know, I think in time what we realize is that often what we have left over, what we don't want anymore, what is abundance to us, we give to God and we think we're being generous with that. I remember another instance, and again, I don't remember all the details, but it was an individual who gave camp. I think it was a pickup truck. And in talking to him, I was very thankful, because for us, that pickup truck was a a good gift. It was something we could use here to move wood and garbage around from place to place. And we didn't need a real new one, but we didn't have any money. So this was a gift to us in many respects. But the individual I was talking to basically stopped me from thanking him, because he told me that that pickup truck was garbage to him. That in essence, we took his garbage and he would not accept a receipt or thanks or anything for it. I learned that day that there are people who see it clearly. He understood that we could use it, but he also understood that he really didn't give anything away. There are people that have businesses and they Depreciate some of the equipment that they have, and the, the equipment becomes worth nothing. And they give it away because places like ourselves can still use it, and that's fine. But once again, that business owner needs to realize they really didn't give a gift. They gave us garbage, their garbage. Now, you you may be saying that's a very harsh assessment of what people do. Is it? Or is that really what we do? Is that what is going on here in the book of Malachi? Obviously, the people thought they were honoring God. In the sixth verse, it says, A son honors father, a servant is master. If I'm father, where is my honor? God is asking, how do you show honor to me? Is that a fair question to ask any of us? Do you know that God is the God of the universe, that he loves you, that he demonstrated his love to us while we were sinful? That he gave his only son. That you and I could be in his family. He demonstrated mercy to us. He demonstrated grace to us. Do we honor God as God? Let me be more specific. Do you honor God as God? And if you do, how do you do that? How how in your life do you show the world that God is God in your life? That's the question being asked in Malachi one six. A son honors his father, a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? If I'm a master, where's my fear? Says the Lord of Hosts to you. O priests who despise my name. But you say, how do we despise your name? The author of Malachi is going on to say. O priests, you you actually despise my name. But there probably wasn't one priest that thought that they despised the name of God. They thought they were honoring it. Do you know that you and I can see things totally wrong because we've talked ourselves into believing something that is a lie? The only protection we actually have is the Word of God. If we're in the Word of God, we can evaluate our lives according to what God says. And God is asking the question for the priests because they're not asking it. How have we despised your name? And he tells them, By offering polluted food on my altar. But you say, How have we polluted you? By saying the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer to God things that you don't need anyway, what does that demonstrate? That God is our garbage person? When we give him things that we no longer need or we don't even want, does that make us generous? When we give others things that we don't need or want, does that make us generous? Because we thought of them? And we thought, well, I can't use this anyway, so why don't you take it? Otherwise, I'm going to have to figure out how to get rid of it. Or I'll just have to store it forever and build bigger barns. You do remember the story of the rich fool. It's found in Luke chapter 12. And I want to read Luke 12, 13 to 34 to you. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, lest you be on guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Verse 22, And he said to the disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on it. For life is more than food, and body more than clothing. Consider ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life span? If, then, you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As you go through this passage of the rich fool, you see that there was an individual who made more, than they needed and they needed to store the excess somewhere. I wonder do you make more than you need and if you do what are you doing with it? Have you thought about that? I'll bet you there are many that are listening tonight that make more than they need. Oh I'm sure there are some that don't But once again, I think there has to be an honest evaluation of this. However you can do it, I would see if you could sit down sometime in quietness and just write on a piece of paper what you would consider actual needs and then the resources that are necessary for you to meet those needs. For example, you You certainly do need to eat. Now again... Some people think they need to eat at a higher level than others, but I would be trying to encourage you to be honest if you evaluate what the need to eat really is and how much that would cost. You need shelter. Once again, that could be all over the place, but what do you actually need? In the United States of America, I think you need a car, you need a phone in order to operate in our society again what level car what level phone that's not part of the discussion but if you were to write down in one column on a piece of paper all the needs that you have and how much is necessary for those needs and know that you would stand before god for answering about whether they're a need or a want then on another column put in all the other things things that you just would like things that you want got to realize that God promised to provide our needs as we walk with him and enjoy him and trust him. He may even provide several of our wants, our desires. I, I have no idea, but he's promised our needs. But we need to be honest about what those actually look like. So if I have excess, if I have access, then I'm assuming that God has a plan for that access somewhere. It's not just to be self-indulgent with it. It's not just to store it and do nothing with it. Remember when God gave the illustration of the talents? He gave one ten and five and one, and the only one that really got in trouble was the one that didn't use it for anything. Took it and just didn't use it for anything, when it was supposed to be used for something. What does God want you to do with your resources? How does he want you to use your resources? That's an important question to ask. Well, the rich fool had more than he needed, and he obviously stored it in his barn. And he thought, well, I'm still having much more than I need, so I need to store it in my barn so that I can eat, drink, and be merry, so I can relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds like the great American dream to me. I have more than I need, so I need to store it in a barn so that I can not answer to anyone the rest of my life. So I can get up in the morning, do what I want, eat what I want, drink what I want, and just enjoy life the way I want. Could be, maybe not, but it could be. You see, when we begin to be those who live for ourselves, we make decisions based on our perverted thoughts about how important we are in the universe. And oftentimes we can miss the point that God wants to take care of us, that he loves taking care of us. Faith in God is the most important aspect of our relationship. Without faith, according to Hebrews, it's impossible to please God. And if money has replaced our faith in God, then money's too important to us. If our plans have replaced our faith in God, then that's more important to us than God, and that's foolish. This particular rich man didn't understand the point that God was going to make here for him. That his soul would be required and he would never enjoy that resource he was putting away. I've often thought about that how quickly life can change. One diagnosis of cancer, a car accident, a war that breaks out somewhere, and all of a sudden all the plants that you had and the barns that you built and stuffed with things, somebody else has now. And how will they use those things? I don't know. You'll have nothing to say about it because they will use the things that you left them the way they think they should. We love controlling things, but really there's so much that's out of our control, the future that we have. This rich man isn't atypical. He's probably typical, especially as I travel around the United States of America where we have more than one house, and we have possessions that are in place in case the possessions we have don't work. And we have storage units so that we can store things that we have no room to store in our own homes. We certainly are the land of abundance, the land of plenty. And and I think God enjoys being generous with his people. But not when his generosity becomes what we worship. The things he gives us becomes what is important to us rather than himself well god had one word for this man who decided to focus on having more than he ever needed and the word is fool then he goes on to tell the disciples uh, don't be anxious about your life don't be anxious what you're going to eat or your body what you're going to put on it you know life is more than that it's more than how you look it's it's more than just your comfort In fact, when you look at the scriptures, you realize the life that we're in is a war zone. It's between Satan and God, and when it's over, we get to relax, we get to go home. Until then, we're in the middle of a war, and wars demand a certain sacrifice. We also need to be totally dependent upon our commander, our king, who will place us in the right spot so that we will be victorious in life and in death. But one day the war ends, and it's no longer about what's going on on this earth. One day all those who have had their trust in Jesus Christ and have faith in what God is doing through their life and through their resources, they will not be disappointed in what God does. And God is the ultimate giver. We will be surprised, I think, for eternity at how generous He really is towards those He loves. And those who love him now will not regret the fact that they loved him and they trusted him and they adjusted their life so that his ways were demonstrated. I would challenge you to go into Hebrews chapter 11 and look at some of the heroes of the faith. Look at the things that they had to do and endure and say, but they honored God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego honored God. Daniel honored God. It took a stand when everyone else bowed. It took someone that wasn't afraid to pray in public where everyone else was saying we should pray to nobody but the king. So often we seem to be controlled by anything, perhaps everything other than God, when God is the only one that should be controlling us. Money doesn't control us, and it doesn't ever bring happiness. The resources that we have, the health that we have, the talents that we have, they've been entrusted to us and can be taken away at any moment. And you might say, well, I don't know about that. I don't see that. Then I encourage you to open your eyes and see what's going on in the real world around you. I can remember one moment my mom was in the kitchen here at Silver Birch Ranch cooking. And she had a stroke, and from that moment on, it was never the same. The talents and the abilities and the gifts that she had had all of her life to that point were now altered, and she needed to be cared for. Instead of being able to use those talents that she had accumulated, she had to have somebody care for her with the same kind of talents. My dad came home from a lunch and had a heart attack, and everything changed from that moment on. The world can change in an instant. The only security that I have, the only security that you have, is that we use all that we have to honor Almighty God. We need to acknowledge the fact that he has given us all things, and that we are stewards of all those things he's given to us and use them in a way where somebody can see who he is because of it. There are times where we do wonder, but I promise you God knows that wonder, and I think he honors that because we're being honest with him, saying, I don't know what to do with this. Trust the fact that God will guide you during those moments. I've never said you should go and write a check for everything you have to somebody. I've never said you should keep everything you have for yourself. The only healthy response to all things that we have is to submit them to God and ask Him to lead and guide us and follow the direction of the Holy Spirit and guidance with the Scriptures. Well, I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolai Bible Institute. You've been listening to nighttime. Good night for now.